0: Lord, I just uh, thank you for this precious group of people. And, Father, you know what's going on in their lives and what they're searching for. And I just pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit to speak to them. Uh, Just bless them. And I just pray, Father, that you might be able to use me and and would speak through me right now. Jesus would be lifted up. And, Lord, you know there's so much to be shared. And help me to just share what you want. Thank you, thank you, Father, for being such a God of love that's so personal and intimate in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I've been talking about uh, impressions, God speaking to you. One thing I need to make clear in that, that we do have to be careful with that. God does speak to us. He, he does a lot. and he's, I'm convinced people say, oh, I don't hear God speaking to me. I'm convinced that God is. We're not listening because a lot of times God's been speaking to me and I find out later I should have been listening. Well, I coordinate women's retreats, and, and he was yelling at me at one of those, just so loud in my mind, and I just was being stubborn and resisting it, and I should have done what he was telling me to do because I had a problem afterwards because I didn't do what he said. But we need to be careful. Uh, there's one quote. I haven't found it yet. When I do, I'm going to put it on that website I mentioned. But In... Uh, Testimonies, Volume 1, page 413. It says, impressions and feelings are no sure evidence that a person is led by God. Satan will, if if he is unsuspected, give feelings and impressions. and These are not safe guides. I know another one. It says that he'll come in and and disguise himself as God to us. So we need to be really careful. If you ever get a thought or an impression that you think is from God and it goes against God's word, you know it's not from God. God will never go against his word and f- there needs to be in all of our lives somebody that's uh, what I'd call a spiritual mentor so, or maybe you might have more than one that you can go to for counsel if you feel like God's impressing you to do this or that, you need, in Proverbs it says it's, it's good to have many counselors but for me, you know, it's my husband I go to him and run ideas by him that I feel like God's saying to me to do this or that and then we'll pray together about it but you'd be sure you have a spiritual mentor that will pray with you. If all they do is give you their thoughts, they are not a good counselor for you. You need one that will really pray with you. Uh, just to be safe. Um, God does speak to us, but we have to be careful that, that Satan isn't. In this last uh, hour, I'm going to talk about... I don't know, for those of you who weren't here, last time I talked about how God led me to do a women's retreat... And he led for somebody to, or a group of women for us to pray each week ahead of that retreat. At that retreat, we saw so many miracles happen. And I, we knew it was because of all the prayer going up. And we didn't know all the miracles until f- weeks or so afterwards. But one of them that happened was uh, a woman was healed there. She wanted to, to be anointed. There's handouts there on that table. And... Two years later, her doctors were saying that she was physically healed at that retreat. He says, I don't have a clue what went on there, but you were healed. He just was amazed at it. But the beautiful part was we saw marriages that were healed because of that retreat. We saw relationship with children, uh, you know, young adults and their parents healed. I had pastors calling me saying, what went on there? Because the women came home changed. I had men calling up and saying, will you come and do a women's retreat in our local church? Literally, the guy said, we will cook the food. We'll do everything. Just come and have another one because it had made such a difference. And we knew it was because of the prayer. And as I shared, Jerry's wanting to know, you know, what did you do there? Because he's the one who wanted this retreat. And as I'm sharing with him what happened, he starts saying, that's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. And I said, what do you mean that's what we got to do? What do you mean? He says, we've got to start getting together with other families and praying together for God to work in our communities and our academy so I said well I can arrange that so I got some families that I knew that would want to do it and we started getting together to pray together once a week and one of the things I got them to commit to is that we would all be sure we were having quality time with God every day because you can't come and pray in a prayer group if you're not prayed up it just isn't the same and so we all committed to that and we started meeting and praying together once a week now I don't know how it is for you, but when I get together with a group of people and she prays a long prayer and then he turns around and prays a long prayer and he's prayed a long prayer, they get to me, I'm asleep. I mean, I get bored out of my mind. It just, it's hard to stay with those long prayers. I've, God hasn't given me that gift yet. What we do is pray conversationally. And maybe you already do that, but just pray in a few sentences at a time. Pray one subject at a time and go back and forth you don't have to open and close the prayer every time you know it's a continual conversation with God and in fact Jerry he would try to get me to pray with him and usually it was at night we're laying in bed ready to go to sleep and he'd pray this long prayer and then I start praying this long prayer and pretty soon I hear him snoring you know it but when we switched it and started doing the conversational prayer just praying a few one subject at a time a few sentences what a difference it made and what a difference it'll make with your kids. I'll never forget uh, how that really blessed and helped our prayer times. And it's so beautiful now. Uh, Jerry and I, our, our form of social life is to go walking. We love to, to walk. And we, I live on these country dirt roads. And we'll pray back and forth conversationally. Sometimes we'll get away from it for a while because of our busy schedules. And then when we start doing it again, it's just like God is trying to show us the difference it makes. There is a power that's unleashed when you pray together that you will not experience when you pray alone. And in your handouts, um, it, it mentions that. In, a, in the, the very back, these aren't numbered, are they? Um, sorry about that. But the, not this last page, but the next one, the power of praying together. You read that first one, it says, if. He quotes Matthew 18, 19, and 20, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. But on down, Ellen White's comments on it are, The promise is made on condition that the united prayers of the church are offered, and in answer to these prayers there may be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to private prayer. The prayer given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love of God and for one another. I'm convinced, and I've read it in other places, Ellen White's writings, the reason God has limited more power to us praying together is He wants us to bear each other's burdens, like it says in Galatians 6. He wants us to love each other. He wants us in unity so He can come again. And down under number 5, it says, there is nothing more needed in the work than the practical results of communion with God. We should hold convocations for prayer. And on down, there's more of them. I love 10. It says, number 10, it says, I asked the angel, you know, Ellen White talking, I asked the angel why there was not more faith and power in Israel. And the angel said, you let go of the arm of God too soon. Press your petitions to the throne. Hold on by strong faith. Isn't that good? And it's amazing. But... i I shared how last last hour of how people started praying for me in a conference my husband had gone in as the conference president i felt i was totally lost i'd given up on life i just was going through the functions i knew i was going to go to hell and i guess there isn't really hell but the burning that kind of thing so but these people started praying not knowing i had a problem in my life praying for the holy spirit in my life and in my husband's life Two years of them praying, our lives were turned upside down. Jerry was a good man, spent time with the Lord, but his experience just started growing in leaps and bounds. It was incredible what happened. And I had not connected it to those people praying for us till a while later and I suddenly realized it's because of those people praying. And God just started leading us into praying with others. And we started meeting once a week after that retreat, you know, praying together. And I'd keep a list of people we're praying for. Do you know at the end of a year... When I looked at that list, there was over 15 people on that list we saw that had been converted or revived or renewed in Jesus Christ, and they did not know we were praying for them. We saw at our academy just this one after another wanting to get baptized and accept Jesus into their lives. They didn't know this little group's over here praying for them. And, and we see that all the time ha- happening with people of what God's doing. But do we really need to pray? <laughs> you know, I hear that so much. Uh, you know, God knows, and He's going to do it. You read Daniel 9. Daniel 9, Daniel's reading about the 70-year prophecy, and it's, it's, it's about to end. Daniel sees. God's going to answer. He's going to take him, you know, out of exile. He could have rolled up those scrolls and said, praise God, you know, he's going to do it. What does Daniel do? He goes into fasting and prayer. He goes into fasting and prayer for God to work. He goes into confession, uh, con- confessing uh, the sins of the people and, and of himself. You know, Elijah on Mount Carmel. Remember, you know the story about Mount uh, in 1 Kings 17 where the fire comes down, it just literally melts that whole altar, eats it all up. Elijah knew God was going to send the rain. Elijah could have just left that mountaintop knowing that God's going to do it. But what does Elijah do? He gets down on his knees and he starts praying for God to send the rain. He sends his servant to go look for the rain cloud or some sign of rain. And he kept coming back, no, there's no sign. In, in um, Ellen White's writings it's in the Bible commentaries the the Ellen White quotes it says Elijah humbled himself until he was in a condition where he could not take glory to himself the servant watched while Elijah prayed six times he returned from the watch saying there's nothing no cloud no sign of rain but the prophet did not give up in discouragement he kept reviewing his life to see where he had failed to honor God. He confessed his sins and thus continued to afflict his soul before God while watching for a token that his prayer was answered. As he searched his heart, he seemed to be less and less, both in his own estimation and in the sight of God. It seemed to him that he was nothing and that God was everything. That was when he reached the total point of self-renunciation is when the little cloud came in the sky. And I've seen that over and over. Uh, My younger boy, he went through kind of a rebellious time. I started going to God and saying, God, what is it about me that would cause my son to be the way he is? Lord, what do I need to repent of? Don't ever ask that if you don't want God to lay it on you. Because he will. And he started revealing a lot of things to me that were my fault, my problem, that I had caused, even for him to get kicked out of a school. And God's my bad example. And... I ended up, I remember when he came home from being kicked out and he's expecting me to scold him or something. And instead I say, will you forgive me? God has shown me this is my fault. What's happened? I tell you, to a hard, rebellious young boy, it made him cry. And it totally, you know, turned him around. And God did miracles there in his life. But if you're not seeing that answer, whatever it is, and I had another woman, we just had a prayer ministry thing last Sunday in our conference. She was sharing it. God just led her to start repenting every day. We need to be repenting every day. We should have that time of confession. But sometimes we need it even more. Lord, what is it? Why, Why is it you know, you're not working right now? Sometimes you may have repented of everything you need to and God's still not working. And then is a time to thank and praise Him that He is working, even though you may not see it. But if you go through and read uh, so many places, but, but like in Isaiah 37, Hezekiah gets this letter from some other group saying we're going to come and smash you we're going to demolish you and Hezekiah is scared to death and so he takes this letter that he gets into the temple spreads it out before God in the temple and prays over it and then in the next chapter it says God starts speaking he says because you have prayed this is what I will do In, in Paul's writings, Romans, Philippians, Thessalonians, Colossians, over and over he says, Strive with me in your prayers. My deliverance is through your prayers. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified through you. Devote yourselves to prayer. And in, um, in Great Controversy, she says, Great Controversy, page 525 says, it is part of God's plan to answer us in answer to the prayer of faith, that which he would not bestow if we did not thus ask. We had a a guy in our conference who had donated a lot of, of money for many things. He actually has all over the world. And we had kept, had been praying. He'd asked us to pray about some of his business adventures. And this one particular one, he said was lost. Take it off the list. It's a done deal. And what it was, it was he had built a hospital. The government was leasing it for him, a veterans' hospital in Las Vegas. And he says, it's done. I'm, I'm losing. I've taken him to court, and I've lost. And Jerry comes home and says, take it off the list. You know, it's, it's we've lost. And I just, praying about it, I said, Lord, I don't believe you want this lost. And I just felt, and I, we can never take credit for answers to prayer. Because if you seek, if God's laid it on your heart to pray, You know God's about to answer. And it had nothing to do with you. He's just letting you enjoy being a part of it. But I just felt so impressed. We needed to keep praying for it. So I kept taking it to the group. We've got to pray for this. It doesn't bring glory to God's name. This man's given so much money to the church throughout the world. You know, to to lose all this money, we're talking millions of dollars. So we kept praying for it and praying for it. This guy ends up being led to go back and appeal uh, appeal for the, the case to a higher court. And do you know... That he won the case. The judge ruled the government in bad favor. This has never happened before. It has gone. It's going into the law books of the history law books because it's never happened before. To rule the government in bad favor had not happened, and on top of that, they made them pay him the money for the hospital. But they the building. They also made him pay. The government had to pay for all his legal fees and court fees through those years of of fighting against it. It was just unheard of. But if God lays it on your heart to keep praying about something, don't get discouraged and give it up because it it means he's about to do a mighty thing. When the Lord started showing me the importance of, of praying with others, I had a woman call me on the phone and she tells me I've been married 32 years. I didn't know her that well she's just one of those kind of well-to-do people in the community. Everybody thought well of her and her husband, and they did so much to help everybody. And she tells me, I've been married 32 years, and I want out. And I go, what? She says, I'm miserable. He's miserable. We've had a horrible marriage. And she said, I tried to leave. I packed my car with everything I thought I couldn't live without. And she said, I got in the car, and I left. And, and I, I started praying, God, I know you don't like divorce, but I, I don't know what to do. He's miserable. I am. It's just I got to get out of this, God what do you want me to do, God? Right then, she sees a huge white billboard with big black letters on it. It says, turn back now, next exit. <laughs> so she turns back, you know, she's on an interstate, turns back and coasts back home. And she's going, God, what do I do? And he tells her to call me. So she calls me, and I'm thinking, I'm not a marriage counselor. What am I going to do? And as I'm praying this, God says, and I don't hear voices. It's just that faint impression. Ask her, to get together with you once a week to pray and I'm going well for how long and it was like 40 minutes is what I felt he was saying so I said would I said I'm not a marriage counselor I don't know how to help you there but I'd be willing to get together with you and pray about your marriage and she says oh I'd love that so we started meeting to pray for her marriage and first time we met she's going oh just tell me how terrible this man was and I let her do it once but that was it you know when we meet together to pray in prayer groups So much of the time can be spent on talking about the prayer requests. I would encourage you, and I have groups, we meet a lot, you know, every week. We don't talk about the prayer requests. We pray the prayer requests. I say, just, you come, they'll come into the prayer group with a problem. I have a group there at the conference office, and I'll say, you just pray it, and we'll pray with you. Um, Because otherwise, all the time can be taken up talking about the request. On top of that, us listening to it can't resist giving our counsel of how to help you. And Satan's just delighted because he's winning if he can keep you from praying because that's where the power is. So we made, I let her talk that once because I hadn't learned yet. And after that, we're just, I said, from now on, we just got to pray. We just got to pray because we only have 40 minutes. And she was praying, oh, God, help this man. You know, he's doing this and that and he's so terrible and on and on. And I gradually started getting her, I said, let's spend the first part at least in praise and thanksgiving. Let's think about our God and about heaven and, and just think of what we can praise and thank him for. And so we started doing that. And I also got her to commit to spend at least like 30 minutes a day with God because she hadn't been doing it. And, and she was a woman who just knew she was lost and she was so worried, you know, she wasn't doing this right or that right and just knew God couldn't accept her. She started spending time with God every day. And I said, just ask God to show you how much he loves you. Ask him to help you to know him. She started doing that. And we'd come together. We'd spend time in praise and thanksgiving, which became much easier to do because she'd been spending time with God. Now she had a lot to thank him for and praise him for. She went from this angry woman to a woman that was filled with joy because of this experience. Now, nothing had changed in her marriage. But you know what happened as we started to pray together for her marriage? Things got worse in that marriage. Now, that doesn't necessarily always happen, but a lot of times when you start trying to spend time with God each day or you start praying about some situation, I found things will get worse because Satan wants to get in there and stop you from praying. He does not want you spending time with God, and he'll try to stop you from spending that time. It's like truckloads of trouble will be dumped on you. But i tell you what, if you start doing like we talked about, the first class was appraising God in those trials thanking God for whatever trials he allows. Not that he causes them or wants them necessarily, but he's allowed them. And in your handout, there's quotes uh, talking about that. It totally turns those problems around and, and what God will do. So I got her. I said, let's just start thanking God, praising him for what's happening. I said, we got to believe God's working. And, and um, in your, your handouts, some of the best things to read here, I've got listed on the back, are these ones by Ellen White. Christ Object Lessons, Asking to Give, Education, Faith and Prayer, those chapters, uh, and on down there. They are so good. The ones, uh, Christ Object Lessons and Steps to Christ on Prayer and Mount of Blessings, I love them so much, I just, I photocopied them, I carry them with me all the time. Because they have so helped me understand about prayer and how to pray. And so we would meet and pray, and she wanted to join two, her kids. She had three adult kids with families who'd never come into the church. And I'm sure it was because of, you know, the marriage problems. And so we started praying for them. But you know what happened with them? Things got worse. I'm telling you, I got sick of hearing about this family. I just got tired of praying for them because it was going on for months and months. But you know, Satan loves to get in there and get us bored with praying, bored with reading the Bible, whatever it is, to try to stop us. And I realize he's trying to do that. So I started all the more. I said, we've got to press it to the throne and keep praising and thanking him and and bringing it before him. So we kept doing that. It was uh, a while later that the husband started to notice his wife because, remember, she was angry and just sullen and so miserable. Now she was happy and joyful, and he started, why is my wife so happy? And uh, he started talking to her again, trying to find out what was going on. And pretty soon they became like this. They fell in love all over again. One of the things we also did is we started praying is we, instead of telling God what to do, we started praying, God, how do we pray for them? I don't know how to pray for them. Lord, how do we pray? And it's okay, even in a group prayer time, to have times of silence, to be comfortable with that and let God speak to each one of you. And God laid it on our hearts to pray that he would see his wife the way he did when they first got married. And that she would see him the way she did when they first got married. Uh, We started praying. God led us to pray that he would have a pure mind because he had a woman problem. And I've forgotten what else. But just what the things God led us to, we started praying. And we saw it was over more than a year or so. They came together and became like this. It was so cute. They were like young lovers, always holding hands in the car. She had to sit next to him. And she started going with him with his job, going everywhere with him. And it was so precious. And he wanted to start having praying together, having devotions together. They'd still have their private time, but have it together. And do you know what this man started praying? He did not know we were praying for this for him. But he started praying, Lord, give me a pure mind. It was incredible. But on top of that, those three kids and their families, we saw... Now, they're living in another city. I've never even met these people. They all came to the Lord and got baptized and joined the church. God just worked uh, dramatically. But before that all happened, we saw a lot of troubles and problems. I'll have a, a group of women, we get together to pray, and a woman comes in there, oh, pray for my son. You know, he's out in the world. He's just living this terrible life. And so we'll pray for him. She'll come back the next week. Oh, we should have never prayed for my son. He got fired from his job, and now he and his wife are fighting, and she's threatening to divorce him. And I'm going, let's thank God he's working you got to be careful how you do that because that can really be obnoxious <laughs> to people. Very obnoxious. So I'm, I'm very careful how I do it. But in Isaiah 55, eight, 9 I think it is, it says, His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. We don't understand how God's got to work in someone's life. But I can promise you that if you're praying, God is working in that situation. I've seen it where churches start coming together to pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on that church. Trouble breaks out. People start fighting between each other. And if they won't resist it, if they will start confessing and repenting and saying, God, what do you want to teach us? Mighty miracles will happen. We don't understand how it has to work. but And and it doesn't have to be a drudgery, a trial, and be so terrible if we will turn around and start thanking and praising God through that trial and, and experience. Um, but this, this woman later was dying of ovarian cancer. We had prayed for God to heal her, and she is healed, but it will be on the resurrection morning. And, but before she died, she called me to her bedside, and she said, Janet, I can't thank you enough that you took time out of your busy life to spend time praying with me. She said, I would have never been ready to die. She says, but now my relationship with God is healed. You know, I know that he's saved me, and my marriage has been healed. And then her husband, not knowing this, took me off to the side and said, I can't thank you enough for meeting with my wife. Now our marriage is healed. He says, I would have never been ready for her to die if he if, if hadn't taken that time. There's something about it in this busy, busy controversy that's going on. When we take time out of our busy lives to pray together for others, it opens the way for God to work. He's limited himself to our prayers. He's limited himself to us to witness to this world. You know, we're told the very rocks could cry out but he wants us to have the blessing of reaching this world. It's the same way with prayer. Who's blessed the most by praying for all these people? I am. In Job 42.10, I love the way it's worded in the King James, it says that Job's captivity was turned around when he prayed for his friends. I have found that so true in my life. My focus has been more on praying for others. God has turned the captivity in my life around and melted the, the sin problems and struggles away because of, of of spending more of that time with others. We had, um, you know, too, I don't want to say this before I forget. I forgot it in the last one. We were talking about if you spend an hour a day with God, which I know as college students you may think that's impossible, and it may be right now, but to find some time during the day. I, I told the experience of, of my husband and how he didn't have time, but he started trying any minute to open his Bible, spend that time with God, and God started waking him up in the night, calling out his name to spend. An incredible experience as he started growing. But the people I know, they're spending quality time, and and most of it's an hour a day. They are being gifted to do ministry. It's incredible. People have started writing books, composing music. Others have started children's ministries, homeless ministries, just different things. Speaking, just, it's you spend that time with him God will gift you and he will so bless you in ways you never dreamed possible you can try to work and work and work to be successful at your job but it will never be as successful as if you've spent that time with him it's, in, it's incredible the difference uh, of what it does <clears throat> There's um, a group of us got together to pray for camp meeting and this woman asked us to pray for her husband She said, he doesn't want to go to camp meeting and I really want to go. And we were praying for a meeting we are going to do at camp meeting, a women's meeting. And she said, I came into the church through him. And yet he doesn't really want to go to church and he won't be the spiritual leader in the home. So we started praying, Lord, get this man to go to camp meeting. Make him be the spiritual leader in the home. And it came time for camp meeting and he wouldn't go. So as we met again the next year to plan for the next meeting... She again brought the same request. Will you pray for my husband? I want him to be that spiritual later. I want him to go to camp meeting because I don't want to go unless he goes. So we started praying for that. This time we got smart though. Instead of telling God what to do, we said, God, how do we pray? How do we pray for this man? We've been praying for you to get him to go to camp meeting and it hadn't happened. So how do we pray, Lord? And there was just a time of silence of us waiting on God. And God put it in our, our minds to pray that it would be put in that man's mind that it was his idea that he wanted to go to camp meeting now why that was important i won't discuss but we started praying that we started praying that it be put in his mind it was his idea we must i don't know how long we prayed. it was several weeks or so he comes home one day comes into the kitchen she's already there fixing supper and he comes in and he scratches his head like he's not sure where this thoughts coming from and he says I want to go to camp meeting. I can borrow so-and-so's trailer and I can get the, I've got this time I can take off from work. I want to go to camp meeting. She calls me up and tells me this you know, the next day and I go, great, God's answered our prayer. Fill out the application and send it in because we fill up at camp meeting. And she wouldn't do it. And I was so frustrated with her. I said, look, we've been praying and praying. He's answered. Why don't you send it in? She says, I know when it comes down to it, he won't want to go. And she instead puts it with magnets on the front of the refrigerator and leaves it there. And I, am of course, very frustrated with her. Many weeks go by, and finally this guy notices it. And he says, isn't this the application for camp meeting?" She says, yeah. He says, well, why is it here? Why don't you fill it out and send it in? I, I hear they fill up. And she said, well, I thought when it came down to it, you wouldn't want to go. And he says, what do you mean, wouldn't want to go? Of course I want to go. I told you I want to go. I'm going to borrow so-and-so's trailer and tell you this, I want to go to camp meeting." she was a praying woman and I believe that God had led her to wait till it was really enforced in him it was his idea to go to camp meeting so he comes to camp meeting now this is a long camp meeting goes through two weekends and after the first weekend the early morning meeting on Monday morning I'm coming out and she's there waiting for me with her arms crossed tapping her foot on the floor saying fine you're here at camp meeting I mean he's here at camp meeting but what good is it going to do he doesn't go to any meetings he just sits in the trailer I said, well, I don't know, but I'll get some people together and we'll pray for him. So I grabbed some people that I knew were comfortable praying together, and we went into a back room and we started praying, God, get this man into the meetings. He needs it. Of course, we were praying that God would get him into all the meetings. We thought he needed them all. He never went to them all. But he started going to one meeting that met during the uh, week. And you know when the preachers will say, now divide up in twos and threes and pray, This man would never pray with his wife. He would wait till everything was done. He'd just sit there quietly and then get up and leave. Well, towards, I don't know, the middle of the week or so, the preacher gets through speaking, and it happened to be a seminar or two on prayer. He gets through speaking, and he goes off the platform, down the side aisle, picks out the two of them and says, I want to pray with the two of you. And I don't know if it was that or what. He was forced into praying, but he goes home a changed man. He goes home trying to read his Bible again, and... And and going to church again and he also started leading out in family worships. Remember we were praying for that? Well, two weeks of that and his wife calls me up and says, she's crying. And I said, what's the matter? She says, he's leading out in family worship. I said, well, great. That's what we wanted, right? Praise the Lord. She said, no, it's terrible. He's so authoritarian and dictatorial. It's terrible. The kids hate it. (laughs) Fortunately, she was a wise woman and she kept her mouth shut. She did not tell her husband how he's doing it wrong. I can't encourage you enough. When somebody around you, whether it's your, your roommate, your sister, your brother, your, your parents, whoever it is, your kid, don't start telling them what they're doing wrong. You will discourage them. Instead, just pray for them. God's fully capable of being the Holy Spirit and working in people's lives. And oh, could I tell you stories there? It's incredible. But we started praying for this guy that they would mellow out. It took a while. But it finally did, and it just became a, a beautiful experience with the kids. And many months now had gone by, and this guy was getting involved in the church and just having a beautiful experience with the Lord. And one night after they had family worship, put the kids to bed, he asked his wife to come out to the living room. And he says, would you wait here? I need your help to do something. She said, okay. He goes back into some other room, and he comes out with this huge stack of pornography magazines. And the guy's just shaking. And he says, Will you help me burn these in the fireplace? She says, Oh yeah, I'd love to. So they they put them in the fireplace and it set them on fire, which probably was not a good thing to do for a fireplace. But she said, They're burning now, let's go to bed. And he goes, No, I will not go to bed till every one of those is in ashes. They have so controlled my life. You know, I didn't we didn't know, I didn't know, I don't know if his wife did, that he was suffering with this. But we knew he had a spiritual problem in, in your, your handouts I'm not going to tell you where because I want you to read all of this it's really good stuff but it says Ellen White says why don't we get together in twos and threes and plead for the salvation of a soul and then go on and plead for another one and another one if you see somebody around you spiritually you know there's a problem God has given you the discernment to see that it is not a time to gossip about them or talk about he, if he's given you the eyesight to see it it means he wants you to pray for them to pray for God to work in their lives. Um, I got to share this. I, I, I came into a Sabbath school class uh, and this guy says, you'll never guess what happened to me this week. I said, well, what? So he couldn't share with me till after Sabbath school was over. And so I'm waiting, you know, to find out. He said, you know, I'm a builder. I said, yeah, I know. He said, do you know my wife makes these honey to-do lists of all these things she wants fixed around the house? And he says, I don't want to come home and fix anything. I've been doing building, work, that kind of thing all week. Last thing I want to do at home is fix something. And he says, well, you know, I always resisted it. He said, but this week, he says, I got this urge to fix things. And I said, well, why do you think that was? He said, well, I fixed everything I could think of. And then I went to my wife and said, don't you have a list of things you need fixed? Because he couldn't see anything else that needed to be fixed. She said, sure. She pulls open a drawer and pulls out this list and hands it to him. And he then fixed everything he could on that. And Then Friday, it got near sundown, he took a shower to get cleaned up, and he's sitting in his easy chair. His wife comes up, gives him a hug and a kiss, and says, thank you so much for all these things you fixed all week. And then she says to him, have you noticed that I have not been nagging you or giving you a list for the last three months? And he goes, you're right, you haven't. She said, no, I've been asking the Holy Spirit to nag you. (laughs) I'm telling you what, with my kids... When they're teenagers, I started journaling, journaling my journal things that I thought needed to happen in their lives. They cannot read my handwriting. I have lousy handwriting. Well, I could tell you stories about Southern with that, but anyway. um, (laughs) You know, there's some I should share with you. But um, anyway, they can't read it. You know, they don't look at my journals. But I tell you, within the day, I'll see them changing, and I'll think they've read those journals. There is power of praying and and writing down those things. There's so much with that. My older boy, I, one thing I failed on was pointing out to my kids how to pick out the right mate. I, I, somewhere I goofed there. And he was dating a girl that, that we knew would someday leave him. You know, she was all into herself and would someday leave him, have affairs, and leave him with the kids. But you can't tell a young man that when he's in love. He's blind to all that, and plus he do not want to hear about it. So all you can do is pray. Well, all you can do is pray. is the most powerful thing you can do. <laughs> and so praying and i started journaling i started, lord this is the kind of woman my son needs to have and i started pointing this out to god I, I want a woman that won't be a pew sitter but someone that's passionate to get the work done to reach souls to love people i want a woman that's not gonna be a mall shopper but a backpacker hiker that was kind of a personal interest because i like <laughs> i like to hike as you can tell i don't shop for clothes and and um I, I said, I, I don't want, I, you know, I want a woman that, won't, that will really love my son. He's got such a soft, loving heart, one that will really have compassion and, and cherish him. And I just started listing all these things I thought should happen. And I listed it a couple of times. And, you know, I was at uh, PUC. He was a freshman there. And they asked us to come and share with the theology religion majors. And as I'm sharing with them, there was this girl on the front row. Now, there was nothing, she wasn't one of these, whoa, look at her kind of girls. She was just a normal looking, looking girl. But my heart was drawn to her, and I, I didn't know her really, and, and I'm, I'm a shy person, and so I never even got to know her while we were there speaking. But I asked my son later, I said, that girl, Sheena Lynn, have, do you know her? And he says, well, yeah, sort of. I said, she seems like a nice girl. He said, yeah. I said, maybe you ought to check her out. He said, Mom, I'll take care of my own dating life. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, I just felt compelled that, that God was wanting them to date. And, and so I started journaling. I said, Lord, I don't know if this is the right one for him. I sure can't bring it up to him again. I shouldn't have that time. I said, but Lord, if she's the one, would you please bring them together? And God, this is the kind of girl I want. I want a girl who loves you more than she'll love Tyson and, and that's in your word and just on and on. I, I listed how I wanted to raise my son, my grandchildren, you know. No TV, don't raise in front of a TV, no sugar, that kind of thing. So I'm telling you, sugar and color, coloring dry, makes your kids wild, literally. Uh, you want well-behaved kids, don't give them all that junk. Anyway, his junior year... Now, I had given up saying anything to him, and, and I just I thought, this, 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 nothing's going to happen here. I don't know why I'm sharing this. I wasn't going to share this story with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do a prayer group at the office there. And by the way, when I first started doing that prayer group, hardly anybody came. Let me tell you, if God lays it on your heart to have a prayer group and nobody shows up, don't quit doing it. Be obedient to God and keep doing it. Be obedient to what He tells you to do, and ask Him. Say, Lord, You told me to do this. You got to bring the people. Over a year, I went like that, and God started bringing the people out of the woodworks. So many people, we had to go to bigger room. But this one woman in the office would come in with her request for her kids, and she worked in accounting. And I'd go by and see her, and ask, uh, you know, how's God answered whatever. And she never really ever asked about my kids, but. She, she was concerned about this one girl's coming home for them to meet and just was hoping it was the right one for her son. And so we were praying about that. So I said, How did it go? She said, Oh, she's perfect. She's just the one we'd want our son to marry. I said, Oh, I wish God would do that for my son. He's a junior and he hadn't met anybody yet. I think he's going to have to go somewhere else to find the right girl. He had actually been engaged to a girl right after academy. And fortunately, God had broken him up. The, the girl that would have run off and left him and have affairs, she had started doing that. And fortunately, you know, God broke him up. And I'll never forget him crying and, and broken up over her breaking, you know, and I'm patting him and I'm feeling sorry for him because his heart's broken. But at the same time, I'm going, yes, God. Yes. Because. Anyway, so it's his junior year. And this accountant, I say to her, you know, I think he's going to have to go somewhere else. God's just not going to have the right one for him. And I go home and it's spring break. Tyson comes home from college. By the way, what I'm sharing with you, Tyson would be okay with. And... Tyson comes home and he says, "You know, Mom, my roommate and my friends are all telling me the girl that would be right for me is uh, this—that I ought to date—is this Sheena Lynn." And I said, "Tyson, I've been telling—I told you that when you were a freshman." And he says, "You did?" I said, "Yeah, I did." He says, "I don't remember that." And he said, "But we never see each other." He said, "We're totally different major majors. You know, we never. She's a village student. I never see her." I said, "Well, she's got a phone number. I'm sure you could call her up and ask her out." And he said. We don't do that nowadays. That's what you guys did. We just kind of hang out together, you know, meet. Is that what they do here? Do you date? So he said, well, I said, find out where she's hanging out and hang out there. And, and he says, no, no, I, I don't know. So as he's leaving to go back to school, I'm waving him goodbye and saying, if you want her phone number, I could get it for you. And <laughs> so he leaves and goes back to school. Of course, we prayed with him about it. He was into that but i go back the next week to the prayer time on wednesday and i get my file folder from my husband's secretary because there will be re- prayer requests and things i'll take into prayer day and as i'm thumbing through it going in there there's this note from this accountant saying come see me after prayer day i think i know the right girl for tyson to date. her name is sheena lynn and so I go in. I couldn't wait for prayer day to be over. Normally, I love it, but I just went busting. And by the way, that prayer time we spend three hours because that's what God led us to do was three hours, but we do it conversationally, just one subject at a time, and we love it. We we're looking at trying to expand the time, which is hard to do with a busy life, uh, because it's just so beautiful. But I go in. I said, "Whatever made you think of Sheila Lynn?" She says. I don't know. She said, it just came into my mind. She said, she roomed with my daughter in academy. She is a wonderful girl. I said, oh, wow. So I get home. I couldn't wait to call my son up. Of course, it's hard to reach him because he's at college. And, and I get a hold of him finally. I said, guess what happened? I tell him what happens. So he goes, wow. So he's, he's realizing that maybe God's in this. And he said, Um, so he's starting to get up his courage. He's shy like I am. He's starting to get up his courage. He's going to actually ask her out. When his roommate suddenly says, I've asked her out, <laughs> he calls me up crying, saying, what is God trying to do? Make a joke of me? Because he's been telling everybody he's going to ask her out, and now this happened, he's embarrassed, humiliated. And I tell you, I'm fighting back the tears. I'm saying, "God, Tyson, I don't know, but, but you can trust God. I know God's about to do something here. And look, Can I pray with you? And he says, yes, I would love that. So I prayed with him. His... Um, Roommate takes her out on one date, and two days later he tells Tyson, You can date her, she's too conservative for me. Okay. <laughs> well, Tyson still can't ask her out. And I'm, we're praying, you know, my prayer partners, we're praying, Lord, somehow get them together if it's your will. You know, we're not demanding anything of God, if it's your will. They start meeting, now she's a village student, different majors. They start meeting in the stairwell of the cafeteria. She never eats in the cafeteria. He's a chaplain, working as assistant chaplain, and in, in, in she starts showing up there. Before you know it, they're married. They've been married, what is it, seven, eight years now, and she's a godly woman, and she's so good for Tyson, and what a, what a blessing to have a, a mate like that for, for my son, and, and she's raising my grandkids in, better than I could ever do. It's just beautiful. But you know the neat part is, and I never journaled this, but God has given me a woman who loves me, who wants to be my friend, who wants to pray together. It's just incredible, the whole journey and experience with God. It's, it's incredible what he does. You can never put God in a box and getting him to answer the same way that first women's retreat i talked about you know god shows me this scripture we needed a scripture that we were going to give each woman and he showed me the scripture and i said lord if this is really from you would you please show it to the decorator who would be using this because i don't want to tell her about it i want you to show it it's from you i come back from there and she comes and says what do you think about using this scripture it was the same one it's it's in spending that time with god waiting on him you'll just see thing after thing happen And in saying all that, that doesn't mean you just see every answer to prayer and everything turns out rosy. Remember the first I told you about my first husband dying? I don't see everything answered just the way I want. But I know this, I've got a God I can trust. Mm -hmm. And as I choose to surrender to him and praise him and give him thanksgiving, I see him doing miracle after miracle in our lives. But i got a younger son. He's now 24. you want to hear about him? (laughs) I love sharing these stories. But I'm probably leaving something out here. But... I started journaling about him finally because he's dating wrong and I'm going Lord why can't these kids see these girls are so in the picking are into themselves and you know just all they care about is that and they're the kind that will have affairs and leave them and but you can't tell your son that and I started I thought it's not going to work again you can't put God in a box but I started journaling the kind of wife That this kid needed, that I thought. And I said, Lord, I know you need to choose, but here's just some suggestions. (laughs) And, but he kept, he dating this other girl. And we were really concerned, but we couldn't say anything. And we loved the girl, but she just, we would not be good. And my husband, I finally had surrendered to God because I'd prayed and prayed and prayed for God to break him up. And I started saying, okay, God, I choose to praise you that he's dating this girl. I choose to praise you that he's living the way he is right now because I don't know what to do about it. And Lord, I know that you're working. I know you are, even though I don't see it. But Jerry and I, we'd be walking down on the country roads there and we'd pray that conversational prayer. And Jerry would walk along and say, Lord, break them up. And I'd say, Jerry, you don't know if that's God's will. You know, we need to pray whatever God's will. No, it's God's will. Break them up. Our son also, I said over my dead body, would my kid ever go to a certain college that's in the southeast part of California? And you learn to eat your words when your kid's 18. And he went to that school, and we, you know, we're praying, there's a scripture in Isaiah, bring him from the east, bring your children from the, I'll bring your children from the east, the west, the south, the north. We said, bring him back, Lord. And God did. God did, and it's, I, I can't go into the long story, but. But God broke him up with this girl. It was, she had an affair with a teacher at the college. What? He broke him up. And then he brings her together with a girl that he had no idea what God had said to me about her. There was this girl I'd gotten to know. I coordinate youth prayer conferences. And this girl had started helping me. She's just really a good administrator. And... But in she wanted to start praying together. It was so much fun to watch God answering all the prayers in her life, because uh, she did a lot of ministry. But I was sitting at a graduation from academy, and as I'm sitting there, just this I'm watching her come down the aisle, I suddenly see her at her like she's in a wedding dress, and she's at a wedding, and I'm going, "I've been working too hard. <laughs> Something's wrong with me." and, and I'm just wondering what is it because i i felt like i was at my first daughter-in-law's wedding is what it felt like and then i said god are you trying to tell me something and it was just she's going to marry your son and i thought no way i uh-uh. because at that time he was in on almost three years relationship with a girl he planned to marry and this girl was so spiritual and my son was not there's no way god would bring him together but do you know what God did, and I never told them till after they'd been, you know, till they were getting married what God had said to me. But God brought them together. They've been married now. It'll be two years in December. And she's just a precious, precious woman, a godly woman. She's praying, both, both my daughters. They pray when we go out speaking. But I'm telling you these stories because with God... Even if your husband dies, even if something happens with God, there's such an intimate, personal relationship you can have with him that is nothing like this world can offer. Amen. If you won't give up on him and keep pursuing him, just taking your Bibles and saying, God, teach me to know you, teach me to love you. Don't spend that time reading other books. Spend it reading the Bible. The only other one, you know, use with that is, is like the conflict series, Ellen White's writings, but don't go with the compilations. Use like Desire of Ages, one of those. But with the Bible, there's such, I don't care if you're reading the or Leviticus, there is a healing power that will come into your life through scripture that you don't get with any other book. Because we're told, and I read the quotes earlier, um, and they'll be on our website too, that, that Jesus' very life is in his, his word. And it's his very voice speaking to us. Oh, It's um, about time, I think, to quit here. But do you understand that it's not begging God to work? And in that handout, if you read it, it explains some of that. It's not begging God to work. God wants to work. We're in a great controversy. And he's limited himself, he limited himself to our prayers because we're blessed if we pray for him to be able to work in our lives. And in Christ Object Lessons, page 146, it says, God longs for us to expect great things. In our, in our conference when we moved to California, Jerry goes in as conference president and he gets hit when all these committees saying, our school is way in debt. We're going to have to, we got lots of day schools, but this boarding school, um, it's almost $2 million in the hole. The the buildings are falling apart. We don't have a McKees there. And and instead, you know, the students, this dying down, we're going to have to shut, we're looking at shutting it down. Our camp meeting, hardly anybody's coming to camp meeting. And we, um, we, we, it's costing so much money, and we're gonna, we think we need to shut it down. In fact, they had voted before we came to shut down camp meeting because they just, it costed too much, and, and hardly anybody, they claimed hardly anybody was coming except us white-haired people. And so Jerry comes home and says, what are we going to do? He says, I've always seen camp meeting to be the life of a conference. It's what pulls us all together. He says, and we need a boarding school because not everybody can go to day schools. And I said, we prayed about it, and God led to send a letter out throughout the conference asking for prayer partners sending a card and saying if you'd be willing to be a prayer partner for the conference we got uh, hundreds of those back in we sent out a letter then saying the prayer requests one of them was if you believe in monterey bay academy would you please pray for god to get them out of debt and to fix up the buildings you know bring students and we started praying for a camp meeting if, if you believe we should have a camp meeting Jerry got the executive committee to vote one more time to try camp meeting. He says, I've got to see it here. I I can't decide to do away with this when I've never seen one. He said, if you believe we should have camp meeting, pray for God to fill it with people. Pray for God to fill it with his presence and convict everybody we need to have camp meeting. And so we started praying for all that, plus some other things. And Monterey Bay Academy, he was searching the country because the principal had left, the treasurer had left. Searching the country for the right ones. Could not find them. Hunting and hunting. I'd see him on his face early in the dark in the dark time of the morning, praying, asking God, what do I do? God literally dropped into his lap the right principle, the right treasure. He'd hunted the country and God just throws him at him. And it happened to be a principle that called for prayer at four o'clock every day. I went out and bought a cheap Timex watch for the, the alarm to go off to pray at four o'clock every day. He said, everybody, anywhere you're on the campus, just stop and pray and they started doing that and do you know within just a short amount of time they were out of that two million dollar debt it was just an incredible miracle because that just doesn't happen and students started coming and God started leading to fixing up the buildings and one of the things we prayed for many several years for there that God would lead to money to fix up the faculty homes because they're so old and I said God even if it takes a non-believer whoever do you know the Lord has literally brought a non-believer to give money to fix up MBA. Uh, over, he's given over $2 million now to, to fix it up. But it's that persistence of taking those prayers before God, to keep praying those. First, what we've done, though, is to ask God how to pray. What do we pray for? And one of the things we started praying for, and camp meeting, that camp meeting, God filled it with people. He so filled the place with his presence. People were talking about it for months. We even had a guy come on the campground to repair something in, in a trailer, fix a refrigerator part you know, put a part in. And when the lady said, how much do I owe you? He said, you don't owe me anything. And she said, why? You, you did all this. He said, something special's going on here. He says, I don't know what it is, but I don't want to charge any money. We have people who lease trailers, and you've got the people from this company delivering them. Those people talk about it, and the person that manages that company tells people when they call in to lease one. We don't know what goes on on those grounds, but we may be troubled and miserable we come on your campground and a peace comes over us. We just feel a joy come over us. You know we keep inviting them to the meetings. I haven't seen them come yet. But there's something about praying very specifically for God to fill it with his presence. We prayed for God to compel especially young adults to come to camp meeting that aren't going to church. And do you know, we'd see them coming on the campground. I'd love to greet and pray with people as they arrive. And I'd love to ask these young adults I say, "How did you happen to come to camp meeting?" And I can't tell you how many Have looked at me and said i don't know i felt compelled to come the exact words that we were praying and and we'll come and and uh, you see many accepting jesus and coming back to church through that but we started praying because a lot of people just don't believe that praying together makes a difference we started saying lord give us something that'll show people that it makes a difference and god laid on our hearts to pray for our evangelism offering at camp meeting our evangelism offering was, that was the only place they can raise it at camp meeting and they get like a hundred thousand that was all so we started praying Lord make it 125 that will show everybody the difference prayer makes because we're praying together about it unitedly do you know that year it went a little over 125 and people were talking about it, wow and so we started praying the next year this time we started praying for I think it was 200 or 300,000 and it again went up to it a little over it always would go a little over But then we got smart. We started praying, God, how much do you want us to pray for? God said half a million. We started praying for that. And do you know it came in over half a million? It was always a little bit over. And not just this prayer group now is praying. Everybody at camp meeting has started praying for it. Or not everybody, I'm sure, but a lot of them are praying for it. Because it was such a miracle what God was doing. Do you know from 100,000, that evangelism offering has now gone for the last two years over 3 million? It's just, it's incredible, miracle. And, and I remember it had gone a million, a little over a million. What happens is people give, make a pledge and they, God leads, blesses them to pay it off. They end up sending more in. So they actually, more than is actually pledged is turned in. But these people are having this beautiful experience with God because we're not saying, oh, give, give, give. We're saying, will you pray and ask God how much you should give? And when you go on a journey like that of just asking God what you should do, whoa, does He take you over your heads. He's been doing that with Jerry and I. It's just been incredible, the amounts he has us give, you know, we don't have. But he provides it. It's incredible. But the year it had gone to a million, we had started praying, Lord, what should we pray for this next year? And God laid it on some of us to pray two million. And the first time I brought it up at the prayer group, I knew I'd get shut down, and I did. One of the prayer programs, we don't need to pray for more money. We just need more people to get out there and do the work. And I was afraid to bring it up again but I, when that guy wasn't there, I'd bring it up and we'd pray for it. <laughs> but we prayer walk the grounds the Sabbath before camp meeting starts. And so we're prayer walking the grounds and it's just a few of us that were up at the, where the young adult meetings are. It was the treasurer, a couple of prayer partners, my husband and I. And we're up there praying and all of a sudden I get this urge to pray what God had laid on our hearts to pray for two million. Now remember, it had only come in at a million. And I started praying that and then there's dead silence. No amens, Nothing. And I open my eyes and look at Jerry. And Jerry's just rolling his eyes like, you really flipped, woman. And the treasurer is just uh, <laughs> looking down like this. But do you know that camp meeting, the last Saturday night, it was coming in right at a million. And they were micing Jerry up to, I think Jerry was speaking that night. They were putting a mic on him. And this guy comes up and he says, so how's the evangelism offering doing? And Jerry says, well, it looks like it, it's pretty close to being a million. It, you know, it, it for sure will go a million, maybe a little lower. He says, really? Well, that's good. Jerry says, yeah, but he said, there's some that have been praying for two million. And the guy goes, says, are you serious? And he said, two million? And Jerry said, yeah. He says, I can't believe that. And he says, why? And he says, well, my brother and I were praying today about what we should give, and we were thinking about 100000 And then he says, we just felt impressed that we needed to give enough to make it go to two million and the guy gave a million there there are a lot of things we have not seen answers to we are continually having crises and problems in our conference and i know that we will till jesus comes and i believe the reason is is to keep us on our faces before him Uh, but in sharing these stories, what I'm trying to tell you is God needs you. He wants you to pray together with others for, for your, your school here, for your teachers, for your homes, for your parents, for your siblings, but also to spend that time with Him. Because I'm telling you what, it will be the best thing for you to marry the right person. You spend that time with God and let God lead you're going to marry the right one. You know, I told you my first husband died. People started immediately. He's not even cold in the ground telling me, you need to do this and this. If you're going to get another man, you're married, you know, an old woman now. You got a little kid. I wasn't that old. But, but anyway, they, they, all these things I need to do. You need to start going to single things. You got to get another husband. You got a little kid. This is my dad talking. And I prayed about it and really felt like God said, stay home and take care of your little boy. I will bring him to you. Now, he may not tell everybody that, but he brought Jerry to the airport. <laughs> that was this close. I had to go pick him up. And <laughs> <laughs> <but> <laughs> Jerry is such a godly man and such a good husband. But I tell you what, Jerry can be absolutely rotten, and I can be absolutely rotten, if we don't have that time with Jesus each day. What makes us having a good marriage is the fact that we are on our faces before Jesus, asking Jesus to let help us to love him and help, you know, to make us like Jesus. It's what makes a great marriage. It's what makes a great relationship with your kids. Our kids love to come home. When they come home early in the morning, nobody will talk to you. Now, we don't demand this. We've never demanded of our kids. But I got to quit. What am I doing? <laughs> but they, they love to, you can't talk to them. They all, everybody's off in a corner spending time with Jesus. And I can't begin to tell you the changes I've seen in my kids from them doing that and the changes they've seen in us from doing that. Oh, if you're not, make that time with them. Do you have a question? (laughs) I don't know that I have an answer. Well, I'm just wondering how do you know the difference between um, the Holy Spirit speaking to you and your own thoughts? I don't always. Um, I don't know if you were here when I read it earlier about impressions, that, that we need to be careful about that. I just found the more I spend time with God the more I recognize His voice. And Ellen White talks about that too. The more that you spend time with God, you're going to recognize His voice. In in John, Jesus says, my my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice. Um, Again, that's why I say it's so important that we have a spiritual mentor in our lives, at least one if not more, that we can go to for counsel. And if at any time you get a thought that goes against God's Word, it is not from God. God will never go against His Word. And, but for me, it's my husband. You know, I, I run everything by him, and we pray about it. That, the other thing is a spiritual mentor. You want to get one that will pray with you, not just talk to you. But it's uh, every thought, impression I get, I always have to search and say, Lord, you know, is this from you? Sometimes I do know. But when it comes to witnessing, the best way to witness is how God leads you to. You know, in, in Mark 5, you know the story of uh, the demoniacs? Or the demoniac. And, and the pigs, the evil spirits go in the pigs, rush off into the lake, and Jesus has to leave because the people don't want him to stay. And as he's getting in the boat, this man that he's healed gets in the boat too. He says, no, you go back. I want you to go back and share what God has done for you. This guy, now, does he know the twenty-seven or 28 fundamental beliefs? Does he know all the details that we know? No, all he knows is what God's done for him. And he, he goes... When Jesus comes back, you look in Mark 6, about 53. It tells you there, in Desire of Ages it tells you, that when Jesus comes back and they recognize it's Jesus, hundreds, thousands come to meet him. And it's all because of this one man's testimony. And that's for each one of you, each one of us. You journal that experience with God, be writing it down, spend that time with him. God will have you witnessing in ways you never dreamed of. Divine appointments that will be absolutely incredible in your lives. And that he'll lead. But I had signed contracts for women's retreat. And I'm driving away. I was really upset with this new salesperson. She was obnoxious. And I said, God, she's obnoxious. Why couldn't I have the other lady back? You know what God says to me? And again, how do I know it's him? I just decided to follow with it. But the, the impression was, call her up and ask to pray for her kids. And I'm going, I don't even know if she has kids. I don't even know if she's a Christian. But I followed it and did it. Come to find out she had a kid that was an alcoholic and one daughter living with a bad guy. And God healed and changed that around and got her to start coming to church but I you kind of have to keep testing it and again if it's a strange and I've had some strange thoughts come while I'm praying that I know could not be from God and you know you just have to say God make that go away I don't know if that helps at all but just the more time you spend with him the more you're gonna recognize his voice wouldn't you say Does that help mm-hmm. at all? We can talk about it later, Mindy. Mm-hmm. We have doesn't topic in the final step. Again, there, there are several quotes where Ellen White says that Satan will disguise himself to make us think it's God. That's why it's so important. Um, I think the spirit of prophecy says that if there's sin in your life. That's when you can get... Mi- misled. Too. Yeah. Anybody else have a question? Or? Don't know that we have an answer. But. Well, we'll pray about it. We'll just... Let's just pray then before we just would like to give you a, a, just a time of silence and just talk to God, however he might be leading you to right now, and then I'll close. Father, thank you that you didn't just create us and go off and leave us. Thank you, Father. Just see it through your word, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, that you are longing for a people that will spend time with you. And Father, I pray for everyone in this room. I know some are experiencing that, but if they're not, Lord, help them to. Make it real and alive for them. Make your word exciting. Help them to persist and not give up no matter what. Lord, bless each one. Help them to pray every day for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And, Lord, you are raising up. I see it all across this world. Young adults that want to get this work done, that are so in love with you. And I pray, Father, that that will happen more and more here at Southern. That you will will raise them up, Father, to get this work done. That Jesus can come. We want to go home with you.